What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We are. We are. We are Cultivate. 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 We are Cultivate. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you what many would call a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we are back talking all things ooky spooky, but before we dive into our paranormal location, I do have a little bit of housekeeping and I do need to tell you what I need a distraction from this week. So if you don't want to hear either of those two yes maybe skip ahead about like five minutes and for those that do want to tune in and carry on well here we go in terms of housekeeping just a reminder that over on patreon billing will begin again on january 13th which means you will be billed on february 1st i believe and for those that are tuning in that have been humming and hawing about whether to join the show's patreon no pressure but i will say there is a lot more content over there we've got monthly bonus episodes if you're on the here for the weird tier which is the higher tier There's a monthly series that goes on, which is the Weird Spam series. Really, really fun little thing going on. And also there are the travel blog posts, early episode access, no ads. It's just there's there's quite a bit to to check out over there. So if you're interested, if that sounds all up your alley and you want to support the show, you got a couple of extra bucks a month you want to throw my way in effort to support this little podcast, then feel free to do so at www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Now, in terms of my need for a distraction this week, I need a distraction from the fact that I'm going to be turning 29 in about one, two, three, four days after this episode comes out. Am I mentally ready for it? No. Is it that big of a deal? No. Am I still going to make a big deal about it? Absolutely. I am slowly kind of getting to that mentality where it's like, oh shit, I am getting older. My body isn't bouncing back as quick as it was. And so I need a distraction from that. I am excited to see what this year has to bring. And, you know, I'm just going to push positivity out of me right now and say, hopefully this year, 2023 is good for everybody. If you are also, uh, you know, a 90s kid that is like, oh shit, we're getting closer to 30. Trust me, you're not alone. I am also crying. I'm just fighting back the tears in recording this. So that is my need for a distraction. If you have a need for a distraction and you want me to read it on an upcoming episode, feel free to send me an email or shoot me a DM. Uh, Just make sure you preface whether you want me to read it or not. But with all that said and all these tears wiped away, I think it's time to talk about some paranormal stuff because that is what makes me happy and hopefully it makes you happy too. So let's get into it. For this week's paranormal-based case, we're heading to Manhattan, New York, which I have to ask, and I know no one's going to answer me right away because, hello, this is a podcast, so maybe write me in, but is Manhattan as bougie as I've been informed it is? 
And by informed, I mean through like movies and TV shows. As a Canadian, I feel like Manhattan has this weird gold bougie standard. And it's kind of like the the cream of the crop when it comes to New York City. Is that true? Let me know. Somebody let me know. Please. I'm dying to know. Anyways, I think this haunted location is the first Manhattan place I've discussed so far on the show. And with that said, let's just get into it. I'll be discussing the history and the haunts of the Merchant's House Museum, also known as the Old Merchant's House or the Seabury Treadwell House. Due to potential coarse language and other adult themes, listener discretion is advised. Located at 29 East 4th Street, the four-story single-dwelling home was reportedly built in 1832 by a man named Joseph Brewster. I couldn't find much on Joseph other than one resource naming him a hatter by trade who also dabbled in real estate. But the next main point of the house narrative doesn't take place until 1835. According to reports, Joseph had listed the home for sale, where it was purchased sometime in 1835 by a wealthy man named Seabury Treadwell. Seabury was born in 1780 within the state of New York and earned his dollars reportedly by being a merchant. His family, based on what I gathered, had immigrated to England sometime in about 1637. Seabury and his wife, Eliza, along with their five children, moved into the home presumably sometime in 1835. Within that same year, they welcomed their sixth child, a daughter named Sarah. By 1840, the family introduced their last addition to the family, being another daughter named Gertrude, who reportedly was born within the home. The family stayed within the walls of 29 East 4th Street until Gertrude's death in 19. 19- 33. From my understanding, Gertrude was living alone at this point within the home. By the time Gertrude's soul left this floating rock, she was reportedly struggling financially and kind of became somewhat of a hermit from my understanding. She didn't really leave the house that much and she kind of isolated herself within the home. I am unsure how she survived within the home given her lack of income and just in general with the cost of living going up and limited resources. But what is known is that Gertrude left the only family home in New York to survive intact from the 19th century. And what I mean by that is that she left basically everything how it was over the years. All of the original furniture, some of the artwork that her father had purchased years before, and personal possessions. Basically, she kind of left this time capsule since her father passed away, which it's very interesting. I don't know if maybe that was his wish for her when he was nearing his end of life, was for her to kind of leave the house the way it was, or maybe that was just how she dealt with the grief, was to kind of keep everything the way that her father had left it when he passed away. After Gertrude passed, the home would become unoccupied for a few years, which, due to this unfortunate and unplanned neglect, deterioration began to take over. The home eventually was going to be proposed for auction, however, some sources claim that it was actually going to be demolished. So it was a little bit of, uh, okay, you know, we're not really sure what to do with this place, we can throw it up for auction, but at the end of the day, we're more than likely just going to tear it down and build something else on top of it. It's a story for a lot of old places. This was all intervened by a grandnephew of Treadwell's, a man named George Chapman. George supposedly presented the home to the Historic Landmark Society, which was seemingly successful, as the Historic Landmark Society added the home to the Historic American Buildings Survey. And thus, the home became a museum on May 11th of 1936 in order to 
memorialize the early merchant class in New York City, according to the New York Preservation Archive Project website. Over the next 45 years, the home was added to other historical landmark lists, such as the National Register of Historic Places listings in Manhattan in 1966 and the New York City Interior Landlord in 1981. Now that we've covered the historical aspect of the old merchant's house, because yes, that is it. It's pretty cut and dry here. Let's get into some occult observations and then dive right into some of the reported paranormal accounts. For those listening for the first time, Occult Observations is a small segment that I've been doing for a couple episodes now, at least I'm going to say for at least over a year which allows me to tell you about the good, the bad, and the downright weird online reviews about the locations I've covered. Name, once again, is courtesy of Linz from Yield Crime Podcast. So thank you, Linz. You know I appreciate you so very much. Now let's kick off with the negative reviews before ending on a positive note. I feel like that's just the best way to go about things. And our first negative review is by user Gloria Rossi. Gloria gave one out of five stars over on Google about five years ago, and the review reads, Nighttime Ghost Tour is boring. You just roam around a dark house and listen to recordings of what people allegedly hear and saw 10 years ago. Nice stuff, and the house is probably cool to see during the day, but nighttime isn't worth the cost of admission. End of review. And to be fair, I feel like sometimes when it comes to ghost tours, you get hyped up that you're going to see something or you're going to hear something. You're going to experience something wild and paranormal. But in reality, it's not a circus, right? Like just because you're there doesn't necessarily mean that any spirits are going to come forward right away or they're going to do anything. So it's I, I get both sides. Let's just put it that way. I get the frustration, but I also you got to respect the ghouls, man. You got to respect them. They're not they're not monkeys. You can't just make them do tricks. The next review is from user Massimo Giordano. They left two out of five stars on Google about four years ago. The review reads, you are transported back in the old days. End of review. Which, I mean, to be fair, if I was transported back to the old days, I might not give it a high star count. I'm not going to lie. It depends on when you're transported to. So fair, fair, I guess. That's a fair review. Now on to the positive review. So the first one is by user James Sadler. They gave five to five stars over on Google back in 2021, which feels like 10 years ago, but it really wasn't. And the review reads, as soon as you walk in, you are transported back in time, a perfect relic of the past. I would get rid of the silly servant mannequin in favor of a perfectly preserved maid's dress just hanging on a hanger. And the ghosts, you can just feel their presence. End of review. Now, the last review is from user John Vignolo. John left five out of five stars on Google about four years ago, and the review reads, I did the candlelight ghost tour, and it was so gripping with a huge scare that surprised everyone. Highly recommended. End of review. I wonder if John meant by saying a huge scare that surprised everyone, I wonder if that was like the staff that did something or not. You gotta wonder, because if they did a jump scare, I don't know, to me, I find that corny, but if it's been a slow night, maybe the ghosts just aren't as feeling as active as they had previous nights maybe they feel like they have to do jump scares i don't know if you've ever been on this ghost tour please let me know i'm interested to hear but that is it for our occult observations so you know what time it is i know what time it is 
The ghost standing behind you knows what time it is. So let's just talk about some of the reported paranormal experiences at the old merchant's house. Paranormal-based reports from the old merchant's house seem to kind of pop up in the 1930s, which includes some people allegedly seeing, hearing, and smelling things that weren't there. So a little bit of poltergeist-ish activity, I'm going to say, which is interesting because it comes from the 1930s. I don't have a specific date by any means, but there was a period, as mentioned earlier, where the house was kind of abandoned. Like, I, I don't know if it was fully abandoned. Maybe there were people coming in and out, but nonetheless, that's kind of when we start hearing about weird phenomena that people just can't really explain is from the 1930s. So after Gertrude has passed away, between that and when the house became a museum. Many resources I came across noted that there is a cluster of folks, like even I, I would go as far as saying a camp of folks that believe that Gertrude is actually one of the spirits haunting the halls within the home. Some accounts, such as an article for the Villager website, know that Gertrude's spirit sometimes appears as her former younger self, whereas other times she seems to present as how she was during her last years of life. Often seen near the staircase in her former upstairs bedroom or within the front bedroom window, there have been reports of a small woman in period clothing, which many have dubbed being Gertrude. Some accounts claim that the same female presenting apparition is known to tell guests who come to the front door of the museum that the museum is closed and kind of just shut, shut them out, like saying like, oh, no, sorry, we're closed and shut the door, lock it. Once folks call the museum and find out that it's actually opened, guests have been reportedly spooked to find out that the alleged staff member they thought they saw and spoke to wasn't actually a staff member, but rather the alleged spirit of Gertrude. Which, mad respect for Gertrude trying to set some boundaries and saying like, hey, you know what, I'm not really feeling the ooky spookiness today, I'm not really wanting to put some haunts on, the museum is closed don't come back, so to speak. That's that's what I think she's doing, and I respect that. Even if that's not, I still respect it. You have to have healthy boundaries with people, especially when you're not in the mood to, you know, do the ghosty stuff. I get that. Other weird reports include unexplained cold spots, disembodied footsteps, and music coming from a no longer in commission piano. As well, there have been reports of windows and doors opening and closing by themselves, as well as lights turning on and off. Another spooky report involves computers in the museum. Allegedly, computers have been known to freeze when you type the word treadwell, but yet there are no other issues. It's just when staff are typing in that last name. As many listeners tuning in can imagine, given the age and alleged reports of paranormal activity, there have been many investigations that have taken place within the walls of the old merchant's house. One of those investigations involved Hans Holzer. Born in Vienna, Austria on January 26 of 1920, Hans would eventually wander to the United States and become a parapsychologist and an author. Often referred to as America's first TV ghost hunter and the king of all paranormal media, Hans reportedly went to the old merchant house alongside psychic medium Ethel Johnson Myers, which some claim Hans's investigation actually highlighted the old merchant house as a paranormal hotspot. Based on his novel titled Where the Ghosts Are, 
He made a very interesting account whilst at the old merchant house during his 1964 visit that I didn't come across during my online research. According to Hans, on the third floor of the home lies a fireplace that cannot be photographed. Well, that's what the rumors claim. But Hans reported in his novel that he was able to capture photos of the fireplace. However, according to Hans, the photos showed a weird white area around the fireplace that he was unable to explain. He didn't label it as being an orb or anything like that, but part of me kind of went there. Like when I read that, I was like, oh, maybe it was an orb he caught or maybe it was something else paranormal, but who knows. Paranormal or not, it's hard to say, but Hans, like many, seemed to hold stock of the stories associated to the old merchant's home. Which brings me to discuss a little heartbreaking tale associated with the home and with former resident Gertrude Treadwell. That end to introduce a modern twist to Hans' work, which we will get to. For that, here's a direct quote from Hans's novel, Where the Ghosts Are. Quote, The ghostly phenomena in the house center around Treadwell's three daughters, Phoebe, Sarah, and Gertrude. According to tradition, Mr. Treadwell did not take kindly to any suitor who seemed to want to marry his daughters for their financial status. The main manifestations occurred in the kitchen on the ground floor level in the rear of the house. But what used to be Gertrude's bedroom upstairs also has a presence in it from time to time. The ghost is that of a small, elegant woman dressed in the finery of the middle 19th century. That this is Gertrude herself is very likely since, according to my psychic friend Ethel Johnson Myers, it was she who died tragically here. There had been an unwanted baby followed by disapproval of her actions by her family. How much of this can be proven objectively is doubtful. But a presence has been observed in the old merchant's house by several reliable witnesses, and no attempt has been made to exorcise her, since after all, it was her home. End quote. So allegedly Gertrude had an unplanned pregnancy, and there have been rumors that the baby was taken away by the family servant at the request of her dad, Seabury. Basically because this is around the time where, you know, if you had a kid out of wedlock, you were basically written off as a person, even though we all know that that's just silliness, but times were different, so on and so forth. And apparently this baby was snuck out of the home through a secret trap door and allegedly drowned in the nearby East River by the servant, once again, at the request of Gertrude's father, Seabury. Now, this might sound like some piping hot historical tea, but here's where things get kind of confusing. So, some reports, including the show called The Holes Are Files, claim that it was Sarah who fell pregnant, not Gertrude. Resources allege that Sarah died by suicide by drinking poison after the incident, and this incident being, you know, losing the baby and all of that traumatic stuff. Yet, when I looked Sarah up on the website Find a Grave, aka one of my favorite websites, it claimed that she lived until she was 71 years old, and I don't think that was the cause of death. I mean, it wasn't listed there, but nonetheless. I further gathered in my research that Sarah was never married and never reportedly had any known children. But don't get all hot press thinking that the show or Hans are in the wrong, though. As mentioned in this quote, Hans had his backup regarding the whole baby kidnapping murder storyline. And in the show, The Holes Are Files, which actually features Hans' daughter, Alexandra, alongside paranormal investigators, like Dave Schrader, Cindy Kaza, and Shane Pittman, they kind of want to get down to the bottom of this alleged Treadwell rumor. And so they kind of pick up the paranormal haunt where haunts had left off. And 
we're going to actually talk about the Holzer files. So the Holzer files, as mentioned, involves Hans's daughter, Alexandra, and the three other paranormal investigators. So Dave, Cindy, and Shane. They kind of revisit Hans's previous investigations with a new modern look at all of them, which I I like it. It's it's a good show. There's some pretty interesting locations they go to, and I would recommend watching it. I stream it on Discovery Plus. I don't know where else you can stream it, but hey, if you find somewhere else, kudos. So in the episode of The Holzer Files where the crew goes to the old merchant's house, they were able to clear the air and confirm a couple of facts versus kind of a couple of the rumors that have been associated with the house and with the Treadwell family. For example, they acknowledge that Phoebe Treadwell did fall to her death on the stairs within the old merchant house in 1907. So there's our first tragic death within the home that we know of. They also confirm what we've already discussed about Gertrude dying alone within the home and her keeping the home exactly exactly the way her father had left it when he died. However, they found out that perhaps the baby rumor was associated with a servant named Anne Clark as opposed to being one of the Treadwell girls. So this story might be true, but the person involved in the story isn't necessarily correct. Based on my research, there was an Anne Clark that was named as a servant within the Treadwell House. According to an 1855 New York State Census, the listed servants included Anne Clark, Bridget Murphy, Mary James, and Mary Smith. Now, I can't obviously confirm that Anne Clark did have a baby out of wedlock and any further details, but I did just want to emphasize that in the Holzer Files episode, they kind of shed a light saying like, oh, maybe it was this Anne Clark girl instead of Gertrude or Sarah or Phoebe or one of the other Treadwell kids. And obviously, it wouldn't have been as highly documented if it was a servant because Unfortunately, most of the time, servants weren't treated with high respect and those kind of situations probably weren't documented by the people that they were working for, right? So it wouldn't surprise me if it was Anne who maybe had a baby within the home and maybe the baby, unfortunately, was taken away. Moving away from this baby rumor and this kind of narrative, let's actually chat about what took place during the paranormal investigation done by Cindy, Dave, and Shane along with their crew. So during their investigation, they reportedly felt random cold spots. They reported high EMF levels, which as a reminder, EMF stands for electric and magnetic fields. And it's believed that this is kind of invisible areas of energy. Many think a spike in an EMF read is acknowledgement of a spirit's energy. There are also claims that the crew here random bells which kind of in the beginning of the investigation were heard and you can actually hear one kind of bell go off while watching the show which was interesting. The group reportedly heard footsteps, experienced intense emotions out of nowhere, and they reportedly heard what sound to be doors closing in the dining room on their own. Now, I will say the evidence of the doors closing were later shown as being caught on camera and it is downright eerie. Because it's not just like one door that like slowly shuts, it's both doors in the dining room that just almost slam shut, which, ooh, don't like a slam door by a living person, so you know I hate a slam door by someone that is no longer with us. It's just, it's spookiness, it's giving, it's giving a lot, a lot of energy. Shane, at one point, who is in one of the rooms by himself, he reportedly claims that he saw a shadow figure within the room with him. And although you can't see it, you kind of have to take their word for it. And, and I will say he did look pretty spooked in when in the recording. So, hey, who knows? 
The crew also took an EVP recording while in the servants' quarters where Cindy had asked, what happened to your baby? Again, trying to sift out the truth among the rumors, in which they captured a faint voice either saying, my Hannah or I'm mourning. Because of this EVP, the crew became convinced that Ann Clark, once again, may have become pregnant while working with the Treadwells and had to give up her baby. Once again, can't really back this up with any factual information, but it's definitely an interesting note to kind of remind ourselves when discussing this location and kind of keep in mind when we hear about the rumors of Gertrude, Phoebe, or Sarah that it might have actually been Anne and all of that. Another EVP that was caught was when Dave, Shane, and Cindy were kind of doing a seance involving the dining room mirror and Dave had asked, why are you staying here? Which they caught someone saying, because you remember. And that just, ooh, pulls the heartstrings. That is some cinematic movement right there. But that is it for the paranormal reports during the Holzer Files episode and actually what I have to tell you in terms of paranormal reports. So let's wrap up this week's weird distraction. The old merchant's house in Manhattan, New York, is a weirdly interesting place. I say weirdly interesting because the home eventually, unexpectedly, became a time capsule of one family, which is now enjoyed by probably many families as a museum decades later. On top of that, the paranormal reports are intriguing as some of it kind of seems to be dipped in rumors and local lore which we learned in today's episode that these local lores could have actually been a mistelling of something that may have actually happened within the home. It's, once again, it's hard to say. I think I'll be adding the old merchant's house to my spooky bucket list and would love to hear from anyone who has gone. Let me know your experiences. I, I love hearing kind of whether or not a place is worthwhile going to, whether it's as haunted as people say it is or what. Like, I just, give me the deeds. Give me, give me everything you got. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, Jennifer, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to 
hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast@outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.